British expats living in Brexit limbo. As the facts about our likely future Brexit now trickle through and we prepare ourselves for a future world, the fear and uncertainty we might feel does not match the ongoing trepidation of those expats currently living in the EU. In all the fewer of the Brexit machinations, this group of 1.3 million UK nationals and their plights have surprisingly attractive, attracted compar comparatively little media coverage. Of those, over 700,000 expats were not allowed to vote in the 2016 EU referendum, although they were UK nationals and considered themselves to be part of the European Union at that time. This was because they had lived outside the UK for more than 15 years, which was surprising since only the previous year, the 2015 Conservative Manifesto, defended by David Cameron, stated that there was a clear commitment to scrap the 15-year rule for, for overseas voters and instead introduce votes for life for British citizens who live abroad. But the Supreme Court upheld a decision of both the High Courts and the Courts of Appeal that UK citizens who had lived outside the UK for more than 15 years would not be eligible for the Brexit vote on the 23rd June 2016. In 2017, a French lawyer, Julien Fouchet, sought to prove that the Brexit negotiations are illegal and should be cancelled because these thousands of British citizens living overseas were denied the vote in the 2016 referendum. He stated that the case is a human rights issue because it breached EU rules that all citizens, including British citizens in the UK and abroad, should receive equal treatment when it comes to voting. But this came to nothing since the EU has a general policy of not getting involved in the member state's constitutional arrangements and in the circumstances will not be able to overturn the UK's parliament arrangements for a referendum. According to 2017 estimates from the United Nations census data, 1.3 million people born in the UK live in other EU countries. If we look at where UK-born people lived in 2017, there are over 300,000 who live in Spain. In Ireland, 280,000 British expats live there. 190,000 live in France, while 100,000 live in Germany. And the rest live in, uh, all, in many other countries across the EU. Interestingly, 80% of UK nationals in other U EU countries work there. Only 20% have retired there. If Brexit goes badly, they could all be asked to move out. So in the Brexit negotiating case of nothing is agreed until everything is agreed, what becomes them now? On 8 December 2017, Prime Minister Theresa May and European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker presented a breakthrough citizens' rights agreement. This finally provided certainty on the right to remain for UK nationals living in or planning to move to an EU country before the Brexit date. On the 19th of March 2018, the UK and EU formally agreed the terms of a 21-month transition phase termed the implementation period by the UK government. This effectively postpones Brexit from its original start date to the 29th of March 2019 until the end of the current EU budget period on the 31st of December 2020. Throughout the transition, the UK will remain bound by EU rules but will lose voting rights, while Britons will retain EU citizenship, including the same freedom of movement and access to benefits as today. In 2018, June 2018, two days before the referendum anniversary, the UK government announced its fast-track residency application process for EU citizens in the UK who have been resident for less than five years or who arrive in the UK before the end of the proposed transition period of the 31st of December 2020. The plans to open the scheme to applications in the autumn, the aim is for it to become fully operational between the new year and the Brexit due date in March. The application window is expected to stay open until around June 2021. 
The process for formalising UK residency would be that applicants will need to answer three questions online or via a smartphone app to confirm their identity, that they have no convictions and that they currently live in the UK and upload a photograph. The answers will then be checked against the database with a decision arriving within two weeks, fast-tracked since the current process to acquire permanent residency can take around six months. The Home Secretary, Sajid Javid, stressed that the UK's default position would be to grant status with refusals only issued for a very serious reason. The cost of applying would be £65 per adult, half price for children, but free to those who already have proof of residency in the UK. An ID number would be issued to demonstrate the right to remain and access benefits, while EU nationals who have been in the country for five years or more can acquire settled status. Others will need to apply for pre-settled status to remain in the UK, which can be exchanged for full settled status up to five years. Existing partners and close family members will be able to join settled residents in the UK at any time under a lifetime right. The problem for UK expats is that the EU has not yet unveiled a similar settlement scheme for Britons, and while it is possible that the EU27 may present a unified process to regularise the status of Britons post-Brexit, it is more likely that it will be down to the individual member states to set their own rules. Previously, both sides had agreed that the process of obtaining settled status would be transparent, smooth and streamlined, and free of charge for those who already hold permanent residency. But while the transition period is set to run until the end of 2020, this is not guaranteed and should the UK crash out, as some now fear, then all agreements so far count for nothing. So what are the key concerns for expats? Well, there are three main concerns for them, and these three main concerns are residency rights, healthcare cover and pensions. Regarding residency in a citizens' rights agreement announced in December 2017, the UK and the EU27 committed to retain existing residency rights for Britons and EU nationals lawfully residing within either area. This confirmed that citizens on both sides can continue to, as they say, live, work or study as they currently do under the same conditions as under European law. So if an expat is legally settled in, in an EU member state before the UK's withdrawal date, they should keep the, the right to, make, to stay there for as long as they remain resident in that country. In March 2018, it was agreed that a 21-month transition period would postpone the full effects of Brexit until the end of 2020. During this phase, EU citizenship for Britons and associated rights will continue, allowing businesses and citizens more time to prepare for incoming changes. For expatriates, this extends the deadline for securing residency and locking in existing EU benefits to 31st December 2020. However, the transition deal is not yet guaranteed and it will only go ahead if the full terms of the Brexit or the UK's withdrawal, withdrawal are signed off before the official Brexit deadline. The goal for negotiators is to finalise the agreement by this autumn, but if, this, but if both sides cannot agree the final terms of the withdrawal treaty, the original Brexit cut-off date will, of 29th of March 2019 could still apply. This means that if an expat wants to stay in, UK, in the EU, but is still a UK resident, or, they, or that they are thinking about moving abroad, the clock is ticking to make sure they can benefit from the citizens' rights agreement. And since the transition period is not yet guaranteed, many expats are needing to work towards the original Brexit cut-off of March 2019, rather than December 2020. They need to prove that they are lawfully residing in their country, and that means proving permanent residency. This is automatically available to EU and European Economic Area, or EEA, nationals who have been registered as living in another EU or EEA country for five or more continuous years.
However, if an expat has been living in their host country for fewer than five years, they will need to prove that they were legally resident before the Brexit cut-off date to protect their existing rights. The proposed transition period offers Britons the opportunity to build up an extra 21 months as a settled residence in their country of choice after the original Brexit due date. An added complication is that many EU countries don't at present require people to register, so how will people be able to prove they have lived in their chosen country for a period of time? Many uncertainties and complications remain. After Brexit, automatic freedom of movement for Britons will end, and a new application process for, will apply for living or working with the, within the EU, which might be less than straightforward than today. Although reunification rights mean existing partners and close family members will be able to join settled residents in an EU country, even after the cut-off date, whether U- UK expatriates can automatically relocate to another EU country after Brexit or return after a prolonged absence still needs to be agreed since although the UK has offered guaranteed rights of return, as they say, to EU, to EU citizens lawfully resident before Brexit so far, the EU27 have not agreed to reciprocal rights for Britons within the bloc. Regarding healthcare, the main concern is if expats will have to start paying for healthcare cover post-Brexit. Both the UK and the EU27 have agreed to continue existing entitlements to healthcare after Brexit. This means that expatriate healthcare costs will continue to be fully or partially reimbursed by the NHS. The former S1 system will carry on providing free cover for British pensioners and those receiving certain long-term benefits, and holders of the European Health Insurance Card, or EHIC, remain, elig- remain eligible for free or reduced healthcare when visiting another EU country. However, Expats are being advised they may prefer to, to secure peace of mind regarding health care, whatever happens, by lining up private health insurance for their family, which can be costly. In some countries, such as France and Spain, they might have to show evidence of comprehensive health care cover to secure residency in that country, and some may need to join the local health care system or prove that they have enough private health insurance to qualify for permanent residency. Regarding pensions, since 20% of expat retirees are relying on this income source to live, it is of critical importance. The UK has committed to, con- to continue yearly cost of living increases to state pension payments for, retirement for retired Britons living in the EU post-Brexit, and the EU27 has agreed to do the same for their nationals. This means that British pensioners in the EU, or, or in any other country with a social security agreement with the UK, can expect to receive annual increases linked to the triple lock whichever is highest out of the rate of inflation, earnings, or 2.5% until at least 2022. Most expatriates do not rely solely on their state pension to fund their retirement, but have other private pensions that they paid into whilst working. Private pensions should not be affected by Brexit, and how expats can withdraw or transfer UK pension funds. However, leaving the EU gives the UK government the freedom to change rules that up and that up until now have been defined by EU laws and regulations. However, leaving the EU gives the UK government the freedom to change these rules. Today, UK pension contributions and growth both benefit from tax relief in Britain and can potentially be accessed by expats without paying UK tax under double tax agreements. While this is unlikely to change with Brexit, the British government may want to take steps to stem the flow of UK pensions abroad and keep more funds within taxable range. Although this means that until the UK fully leaves the EU, currently on track for when the transition period ends on the 30th of December 2020, there are uncertain times ahead, and expat pensioners have been advised to take professional advice now to review their residency, tax planning, pensions, investments, 
and estate planning options before any changes affect them. Many UK expats succumbed to the daily diet of the heavily TV promoted law of a place in the sun and escape abroad. Many wanted the Mediterranean lifestyle and to have a better work life balance or just a better life. Others wanted to have financial freedom since property prices are a fraction of those in the UK. Some create a better, healthier life. This was all available to them within the security of the EU community and with the full support and agreement of the UK government. But, 80% of expats are working in the EU and, uh, and, they, had, and they need to know what, that they can, can continue to work in a country they have made their home. According to research by the British and Europe Lobby Group, at least half of the 80% of working Brits abroad rely on freedom of movement, as it's, as it's called, which means that they, that they live in one EU country but work partially or wholly in another. Post-Brexit, it's far from clear whether, whether or not they will be able to do this or whether they will need to get work permits for individual EU countries. This will have a significant impact on their ability to work. Expats know that there is a significant period of uncertainty for them and that they remain in a strange state of limbo until everything is decided. With the bulk of UK expats living in Spain and a large portion of these retired, on the 22nd of October 2017, it was positive to hear the Spanish Foreign Minister reassuring UK nationals living in Spain that they are welcome to stay even if Brexit negotiations collapse. If there is no deal, as stated by Alfonso Dastis, we will make sure that the lives of ordinary people who are in Spain, the UK people, are not disrupted. This is encouraging for expats in Spain and elsewhere, as countries enjoyed a similarly close relationship with the UK and may follow, may follow the Spain's lead. But it's important to consider the 700,000 UK nationals who, as expats, weren't allowed to vote in the, in the 2016 referendum. If we think about this in terms of, log- of local geographic relevance, that number is equal to some population of Buckingham, of Bicester, of Brackley, of Aylesbury, of Northampton, of Banbury, of Oxford, of Milton Keynes, and High Wycombe. Telling these populations that they didn't have the right to vote in the EU referendum would have caused civil outrage. And it's important not to forget that the 1.3 million UK expats affected by Brexit equates to all these towns and cities already mentioned. Plus, the population of Cambridge, Stratford or Navan, and Warwick. That's a lot of people. To place this number of people in this predicament of an uncertain future when they have a vested interest is obviously being dismissive of their individual rights and needs. Mark Stone, who works with Sky News, recently reported that for expats, Brexit remains psychologically, emotionally and in practical sense painful, and that two years into this Brexit process, they remain unsure about how their lives will change once the UK leaves the EU. Both the EU and the British government promised that this most human aspect of the Brexit process would be their priority, an issue which would be nailed down and agreed upon fast. But the post-Brexit status of British expats now has now become a mere bargaining chip. So what if it's a cliff-edge Brexit in March 2019, and 1.3 million expats become illegal aliens in the countries they reside in in the EU and have to come back to the UK? In an already faltering system, how will the government manage to manage their return and the impact on employment, housing, education and healthcare? Interestingly, will these expats now be eligible eligible for for compensation from the government 
for its change in international policy that are proportional these expats had no say in. And has this outcome been fought through? I fear not. And in the meantime, the 1.3 million remain UK expats living in Brexit limbo.